Alright everybody, welcome in. Uh, this is obviously our first attempt at recording the Hockey Show Podcast. I'm Nick. And for the first time, I'm John. That's right. And for the first time, I want to say, boy oh boy, before we get into hockey, I love National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I just watched it for the first again? time this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, every year I watch it. But this was the first time this year, and... Man, it's just a classic. It holds up. I think I I'm gonna say it's better than Home Alone. Uh, well, that's a controversial statement. Uh, the, yeah, it it aged pretty well, and I feel like you can't always say that about a lot of movies. Not not from a controversy standpoint, just from a being funny standpoint. That's but true. I I always thought it was it should share a cinematic universe with Seinfeld in that Julie Louise Dreyfus's character is so traumatized by living next to the Griswolds that she divorced her husband and moves to New York City and mysteriously never talks about him. That could track, in all honesty. It also is it why up. so bitter. Yeah. <laughs> Having lived next to that and through that for the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. You you live next to that. Suddenly Kramer's not so bad. No, no. He's he's very tame, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Which, man, we should probably we should have done like a Christmas film ranking or like an end of the episode, like what's the best go-to Christmas film? Cause for me it really is Christmas vacation. I think that is a great go-to Christmas film. Um, well, well, um, in my opinion, pretty controversial. I'm not sure if you're ready to hear it, but I think the best Christmas movie. You're gonna say it is Die Hard. Oh, every year this argument. Every yeah, year. see, I'm a little twisted. I think Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Uh, oh, well, we, it is. So it, yeah, this comes up every year though, and I thought this got settled in like 2012. Yeah, but then at his roast, Bruce Willis at the end of it said it's not a Christmas film, and people were like, "Oh, see, he said something oh, at a God. roast, and it's true." Um, and it's like he's at a roast. Like, yeah, what is he now? But and yeah, come on. Uh, and the guy that wrote the film came out and compared it to other Christmas films. He compared it to White Christmas, and he pointed out that White Christmas. It's only Christmas setting is the last reel of the film at the Christmas party where Die Hard's entire setting is the Christmas Eve Christmas party. <laughs> He's like the whole my whole film takes place at Christmas. This well, film is also, a whole like three month build up to get to the last reel, which is Christmas. Also, isn't Christmas supposed to be a family holiday? Like what the hell kind of employer is having you go to a party on Christmas Eve? I know. I always thought that was kind of weird. I really did. Uh, but because like everybody's like, he's the best. He's the greatest. He's like, he was like the most beloved. Because when when Nakatomi gets knocked off, everybody's just like, oh my god! Like, the, he's a boss. Everybody loves. Who gets to say that? So yeah, yeah I, I did always find that weird that the Christmas party was actually on Christmas Eve. But you know, it's the '80s. It's a wild time, I guess. Yeah, there's no rules under Reagan. No, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Reaganomics, man. Uh, that's that's what's going to fix our current recession. All right, you're not here for economic talk. You're here for hockey talk. And there's lots of hockey talk this week. Uh, let's just get into it. One of the big things that were flo- that's been floated around the last couple of days is the idea of an 84-game schedule 
that could be coming to an NHL near you very soon. Yeah, uh, it hasn't been officially, uh, you know, stick thrown out there by anybody, but ESPN has some sources uh, put together a story here that's saying they're looking at expanding the regular season from 82 games to 84 games in an effort to create more regional matchups. Which, okay, so you're 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 adding like two extra games. How are you getting more regional matchups with that? I always thought I thought that was kind of funny because I don't see how you're adding what the Rangers and the Penguins play one extra time. The you know the the Red Wings yeah, and it, the Canadians play one extra time. Like, it, okay. Cool, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I like the idea of 84 games, but I didn't get that idea of it's going to create more matchups if everybody has to play every, everybody one time. Yeah, and and it's when they already have it set where everyone plays everyone once. I think they were just going to change how many times you play in your conference. Yeah, um, it looks like it, breakdown. Do you have the breakdown? I I do not. Do you? Okay. I see the breakdown. It looks like it's 28 games versus your own division, 24 games versus other divisions in your conference, then 32 games versus other conferences. Yeah, which is close to what we have now. It's just I, I, I think the only way that they can make this actually happen is if you cut back the preseason, which I feel like players really want to have anyway Mm -hmm. uh and and i don't think teams are all that crazy about preseason either because i feel like every year a bunch of ptos get signed for guys that are way past their prime and have no chance of making the team anyway because you have to dress a certain number of nhl veterans for preseason games so they say well we're going to sign danny de kaiser for a contract or whoever it may be uh that's a flavor of the week coming off of a contract and not really having anywhere else to land. So, so, so it's pretty clear, you know, I'm sure every owner would rather have two more regular season games than two preseason games and players hate preseason too. So. Uh, Yeah. Preseason is, it feels really long. It really does. It's like, I mean, the NFL dumped a preseason game and added on a regular season. Yeah. Like, like, it's wise to me. It's and it does make sense, you know. In a thirty-two, we're we're a thirty-two league team or thirty-two uh, team league now. Like this is, it makes more sense to add on, dump the preseason games and add on the two regular season games because it balances out a, a lot better. I, I I yeah I I'm a fan of this. I I I would welcome. You know, there now. Granted, there are probably people out there that hate it because they're like the season is already way too long to begin with, and and I'm one of them. Yeah, but if you're gonna have a long season, you might as well balance it out. Yeah, and and it seems like they're not looking at making the season longer. They're if they're just making that shift from preseason to regular season, that's probably fine. Um, what I would kind of wish they would do and i doubt they will but it would be really cool to see more neutral site games especially if you're talking about you know as we've talked about in the past a little bit opening up other markets uh i think if you you know throw a columbus pittsburgh game in cleveland uh that would probably be a lot of fun for everybody 
And if you're expanding the regular season as it is, you could probably split revenues between the two teams and call it a day. That's not a bad, that's not a bad idea. I mean, yeah, they'll probably, I could see them expanding out the stadium series. Uh, yeah. That kind of idea, but, but maybe like the stadium series, like when they had that really brilliant idea that just the one they finally kind of got something right, and then Mother Nature backfired on them because it was just too beautiful. Uh, the outdoor game, um, when they were, uh, oh, where was it? Like Alaska? Not Alaska. Oh, and, uh, uh, Lake the, Tahoe. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Uh, where it was gorgeous and it was beautiful, and it was like, yes, but then it was too nice that they had to wait till like midnight to start mm-hmm. the game. <laughs> yeah, which, which that happens play. sometimes. You gotta, yeah. gotta yeah. roll with the punches with those a little bit. Well, yeah, what but... I thought was really funny is that that, if I remember correctly, that was between like the Sharks and the Golden Knights, and there was people just like rolling up on jet skis watching some of it. And one jet ski just had a really big Red Wings flag on it. It's like, you jerk. Yeah, <laughs> like, but, is... it, but it was so fun. It was just this very entertaining, like, it, it was it was what makes hockey fun. It, hockey done right, it just was an unfortunate situation that there was like a seven-hour delay of the game. Um, yeah, well, it's better that than, I, I think they... I've really just started to slow roll it safety wise after what happened to Sidney Crosby in uh, the stadium series where it rained a bunch. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So 82 or 84 game season uh, could be coming to an NHL near you soon. And uh, yeah, it seems like it's good. And I also uh, kind of actually before really quickly before we move on, I think this makes more sense than the expanding the playoffs push. Oh yeah. Because the, the, there's we, yeah. Yeah, there's there's no good coming from expanding the playoffs I don't think. And like honestly, I don't even think this is that impactful, but if they if they were expanding the uh the stadium series or or just neutral site games in general, do you have anyone in particular that would really jump out to you the one you'd really like to see i mean i'm a fan of the idea of really trying to get like i want to see the panthers in one i i really that... wish would i really wish that they would do and this could be really cool an orlando game between the lightning and the panthers Yes, and I'm pretty sure they have a hockey facility there for the Sun Bears, the ECHL team. I'm not sure if that's the venue that you would use, but these are the exact sort of things that I feel like it would be really cool if they expanded a bit more. You know, have uh, New Jersey go down to Trenton to play the Flyers or something like that. You know, have uh, have the Flyers and the Penguins meet in uh, Harrisburg or something. Yeah. Um, Capitals play someone in Baltimore. Like, this would be really cool just to kind of, like, loop in more cities a little bit. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, in Orlando specifically, they do have a soccer stadium. So, there's Is it your... indoors? No, it's an outdoor one. Oh. So, yeah, like it, it... an outdoor, if you could figure out, because they've done it in California. They did it in I LA. see. I see. See, I was I was going small time here and just saying let's go play in a bunch of different rinks, but you're taking it to a whole other level here. 
Yeah, I think there are enough Lightning fans uh, to pack that stadium. And For then sure. the 100 Florida Panther fans that show up are, are golden. Um, <laughs> you know, also, I think just in general, a lot of people would be interested to go to an outdoor game in like those warm markets. Cause that, I remember when, when, when they did it at Dodger stadium, that was kind of, that, that was the appeal to me. It was like, well, yeah. doing an outdoor game in a warmer market where this is not, this is already a non-traditional hockey area. When you think, you know, we don't think about that now, but you know, when LA, when the West coast started getting a whole bunch of teams, did people really think that San Jose, LA, you know, uh, Anaheim, any like, all of that was going to work. Did we, you know, like that was kind of, of course not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's partly why you got to give Gary Bettman a lot of credit for what he's done as a commissioner with the, with the overseeing of the ducks and all those expansion teams. And I don't know. That's kind of my, that's my one little, that's my one praise of Gary Bettman that I'll give on the show. Um, Yeah. Because it does make me more interested in seeing those types of markets do things. I'm finding, and you're right, finding cities where it would be cool to do it, like putting the blues somewhere like you could put the St. Maybe not this version of the St. Louis blues, but you could do a game where the, where the chiefs play. Yeah. Or, or where the Royals play. Cause right. Kansas city has a ton of options there. Yeah. Yeah. So there's cool, there's cool moves to make. You could take Seattle and Vancouver and have them play in Portland. Yeah. You could you could take the Wild and the Blackhawks and have them play in Milwaukee. There's a ton of options to, to do cool <laughs> stuff with this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I like that. I, I I that would be cool. A couple more of those Yeah, if they wanna if they wanna expand the neutral games. Listen, I'm always open to doing cool things that can expose the sport because Anytime the anytime the league get this is why Ryan Reynolds potentially being an owner of the Senators is a big thing and could be a really big thing because anytime you can get the eyes on the league, it just helps the exposure of the league. And then eventually there won't be this, oh, we can only do one million dollars in cap space increase, you know. Eventually yeah. there is like a five million dollar boom, and then Connor McDavid is gonna get paid exactly what he deserves which is like $20 million a year. Yeah, and if, they're, if they aren't going to add neutral site games for it, then I don't totally get how helpful this will be. Because if you're, so you're adding two, two more games to the schedule. One's probably home, one's probably away. And realistically, like let's say you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you want that extra game to be against Montreal or Boston or some sort of, you know, team that you have beef with that you can, you know, really crank up the ratings for and everything like that. Uh, but somebody's got to play the Blue Jackets. You know, it, as as much as they will uh, crank up, uh, you know, St. Louis wants to play against Chicago, but somebody's got to play Seattle. I, I, I don't know exactly who they would put together for a lot of these games, but I just think that, you know, you say add two more games to the schedule, maybe be careful what you wish for, you know? Yeah. But again, you're somebody that thinks the season's way too long to begin with. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think 60 would do it. Maybe, you know, just play everybody once and then uh, host everybody once. That'd be 64. But, or excuse me, 63. 
No, 62. God bless it. But, you know, that that would that would do it for me, I think. I think it would make the season a little bit more impactful, but uh, less hockey isn't always necessarily good either. So That's true. That's true. Um, speaking of uh, more hockey, World Juniors are going to be getting underway. Um, the pre-tournament action is underway. We won't spend a lot of time on it. Um, just pretty much Connor Bedard is proving why he's going to be the number one overall draft pick. Uh, so if you have not seen anything Connor Bedard and you've never looked, uh, watch the World Juniors, watch Canada play. Uh, Shane Wright and him both combined for three points in the Team Canada's pregame. So, yeah, it's going to be... It's going to be fun to see uh, the, these prospects light it up. Because, again, if you're a Blackhawks fan, a team that can't win, and, you know, oh, God, we, oh, we didn't even, we didn't even, where, we, how about this for the Chicago Blackhawks? Did you see the other night they celebrated uh, Taves and Kane playing a thousand games together? One of the, uh, the one of the few in NHL history, tandems to play a thousand games together, and it was the night the Rangers blew them out seven to one. <laughs> a home yeah, game. Know, so, well, some, <laughs> sometimes those pregame ceremonies go on a little long, and they uh, they drain you a bit. Yeah, but... that's what it is. It, it wasn't. It wasn't seven games after Jacob Truba got into two fights against the Blackhawks and slammed his helmet. <clears throat> And was like, waked up, up, and everybody woke up, and the Rangers are red hot right now. <laughs> yeah, it, how much of of their hot streak right now do you attribute to that? Of him, just of him, just kind of stepping up and taking ownership of things rather than just kind of natural hot streaks that come and go. All right, I'm gonna answer that in one second. I just want to wrap up the. Oh, if you're if you're a fan of bad teams, watch the World Juniors, see what you're going to get. So now to answer your Jacob Truba question, because really, like I said, we weren't going to spend a lot of time on the World Juniors. It's not really happening. It's pre-tournament. Um, I think all of it is. I think I think actually I was I was kind of looking at it and I'm seeing it start to turn around. I feel that the last four teams from last year have all gotten off to Pretty mediocre to bad starts. Uh, the Avalanche have been kind of eh, but we know that they're going to be good. The Lightning have been kind of eh, but guess what? They've been very quietly red hot. Um, the Rangers, it was full panic seven games ago. Now it's they're sitting third in the division and only three points behind the Devils and the Hurricanes. Like, I had a note about them being three points behind the Devils. That's wild. Yeah, and and what's even wilder is, while we talked about how good the Devils have been and how they banked points, uh, that that Metropolitan's getting a little bit tight because the Capitals are getting pretty, uh, are starting to pick up some points. Now, granted, they played the most games out of everybody. They're picking up points. The Islanders are picking up points. The Penguins are picking up points. The Rangers are picking up points. Hurricanes are picking up points, and the Devils are starting to... Mm, I don't want to say flatline a little bit, but they're starting to level off. They're leveling off a little bit. They're not getting... Uh, they're not playing the way that they were playing. They're not getting all the bounces anymore. So their lead yeah, is shrinking, and it's getting pretty... Um, 
a little interesting over there in the Metro. But that's the crazy part for the Devils is that because they won 13 games or however many it was in a row, if they just play 500 hockey for the rest of the year, they're going to be in the playoffs. You know, granted, losing five in a row doesn't help anybody's playoffs aspirations. But, you know, it's it's pretty far from the end of the world uh, from where they're concerned right now. It is. But the Truba thing, I think that is. That was a wake up call to the Rangers. That was what all these teams, what the final four teams have been doing uh, of late, which is. Uh, they're all starting to kind of come around. The leaders have stepped up again and have been like, hey, we got to get out of the lull of it all comes easy. We expect to win. Because the Rangers as a team have also talked about it, that that sparked them to have an internal conversation of, yeah, we just kind of expected to win because of the run we had last year. So we weren't finishing our games. So we were just thinking we were going to get them because we we did all the way to the Eastern Conference Final. and." They do. They look like a much different team. They're playing much more complete games. I, I think it was a really, like, that's to me is what a captain does. That's why he wears the C. That's what a leader does. Even if he wasn't wearing the C, if he was wearing an A, like, if he's a leader of the locker room, that's a, that, I have no issue with that. And I think that's what woke the team up and made them have the internal conversation. Because again, he got into two fights in that game before he smashed his helmet and yelled at the bench. And, yeah, and, and, this, and that was after he laid out uh, Andreas Athanasiu, right? Uh, yes, which last night, uh, or not last night, but when they played, did you see what he said to him after he scored uh, his goal? Yeah, uh, to let, let me, I, I'll set it up for you. How's that? Please, I love it. Uh, yeah, so uh, Andreas Athanasiu, you know, gets hit when I, something you and I would call, you know, a heavy hit, but a clean hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh hit. yeah, uh, po- well, Scott Stevens hit, hit is a 20 game suspension these days, but uh, he at Athanasiu made the comment, uh, afterwards of oh, he's making nine million dollars and he's not scoring any goals, so he has to do something. Uh, which you know, a couple things one, Jacob Troop is a defenseman, you wouldn't expect him to lead the way in scoring goals, two, Andreas Athanasiu with nine points in 29 games. Uh, glass houses, sir, as much as I love you from your time on the Red Wings, one of our favorites, friend of the show, I'm sure, Andreas Athanasiu. Uh, has not, their not next <laughs> has, has their next game against uh, Chicago or uh, Chicago has their next matchup against the Rangers and uh, Jacob Truba goes out and scores a goal with Athena you on the ice. And then proceeds to ask him, do you want the puck? <laughs> Which I got to say is an all time chair like that. Uh, no, seriously, dude, bias aside, that is an all time chirp. As someone that is uh, not a Rangers fan, I will say that is right up there with Matt Martin telling Drew Miller, go dye your hair. Yeah. Uh, that is just fantastic levels of just like I, I can hardly process having the awareness to go to seek him out and say something like that. But just do you think he offered to like autograph it for him, too? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, my gosh. 
He should have he should have gotten the puck, signed it, and then had it sent over to the black uh the Blackhawks locker room after the game. Oh my god, <laughs> that I bet, great. <laughs> I, I'm I'm fairly certain like all the players have like all their contact information in like a directory through uh the players union. I wonder if they have their addresses because this could oh, be gosh. just yeah, continuous send him a puck every time you get a goal for the rest of the year. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. But yeah, I I I I liked it. What what's your take on it? Because you not you know somebody's gonna go well. He's a Rangers, so he loves it. But I'll be honest with you, uh, uh, the Rangers fans I see just hate Jacob Truba. It blows my mind at how much they hate him. So uh, I'm curious, what was your take when you saw that? Like, were you like, oh man, that's unbecoming of a captain, or were you like, hey, that's the guy that's trying to rile his team up? That's really been playing garbage. I mean, again, I have a soft spot for Andreas Athanasiu, but I thought that was hilarious. And uh, if people don't like the fact that he's out there saying stuff like that on the ice, well, you know, don't let him score. That's the easiest way to solve it. That's true. Um, Speaking of hard hits and guys like that. You uh, know what I attribute the Rangers' success to is not having Ryan Reeves holding them back anymore. Oh, it's funny you say that because I was going to say, you know what I attribute to the Minnesota Wild (laughs) success of late? The addition (laughs) of former Ranger hype man, Justy Release Us, although I don't know what he screams now in Minnesota. It's not that. Uh, uh, I the addition to the wild success. Bill Guerin knows what he's doing with that locker room. All he had to do was buy out two horrible, toxic contracts and add a few guys and add Ryan Reeves and the formula mix. <laughs> yeah, and and I say this as someone who both appreciates Ryan Reeves uh, and is slightly terrified of him. Uh, when he, uh, seeing him, especially on that Rangers playoff run, just like screaming and hyping everyone up for, I mean, you gotta, how can you not like the guy after watching something like that? You know, he would have to like really just annihilate one of your best defensemen in a season where injuries are already piling up a lot for you to really take that much issue with him. Uh, but, but, uh, tongue in cheek aside, I don't know how Ryan Reeves is supposed to make that hit and not just have contact with his head there. Yeah. Yeah. For for those that didn't see it, uh, Philip Hironik was kind of leaning forward as he's skating, uh, looks over his shoulder for something. uh, And by the time he turns his head back around, uh, he is face deep in Ryan Reeves shoulder. Yeah. yeah, I got so annoyed the night that it happened because you saw Red Wings fans saying, "Oh, that's charging." It's like that's not charging. Like you should you should read the rule book. That is there's a very specific definition of that, and that wasn't even close. Uh, but just like in general, it's did I like seeing somebody on my team get wrecked like that? No. Did the hit necessarily need to happen? Like he had already committed to it. No. Um, but it's not. It wasn't dirty to me. Agreed. I. It's. It's like the Truba hits. It falls. It's a very hard hit. It's all within the rules. It wasn't a headshot. It wasn't a point like he wasn't out there to injure him. But like you said, did he need to lay out the hit? No. 
he didn't need to. He could have pulled up. He could have avoided the hit. There was enough decision time to do that. But he is the type of player that is going to lay out that hit to energize his team. I mean, that's, you know, aside that's from that, and fighting, that's what he's paid for. Yeah, that's the whole reason he's there. So I don't think it's fair to expect him to not make a hit like that. And, yeah. and just, and from where he was at, I don't think there was much he could have done differently in the hit to have made it clean. Yeah. Or, like, or clean, or rather. I already established it was clean, but you know what I mean. So, I know uh, what you mean. so yeah, I, I just. I, I was very irrita- irritated with Red Wings Twitter that day, just seeing all of that happen. What was? Do you think the Rangers ended up shipping him out because he specifically advertises himself as "I'm the solution to your Tom Wilson problem"? But with Tom Wilson having a whole bunch of time out this year, they kind of said, "Well, we don't need you as much anymore." No, I think uh, he was he was a cap situation. Um, yeah. He's the Rangers are up against the cap. They were trying to free up some space. They really are going to, for better or for worse, they're going to go in on their, they're, they're making their positioning for Patrick Kane. Uh, they're, they're going to do what they can to clear up the cap space. Also, the Rangers are log jammed. They, they've, you know, Ryan Reeves in a, in a sense was taking up a roster spot from, um, some of their younger kids so getting him out frees up the wing position a little bit uh i'm a ranger fan that misses him but i totally you know he was always expendable yeah he's a he's a bottom six guy the bottom six guys are going to be expendable if you got to get the kids in there to start playing um and that's what the rangers that's that's what a lot of teams have the issue of right now is that they need they're up against cap space, so they need some of their younger or some of their cheaper players to step up and play some minutes for them and get the job done. So, yeah, uh, he, he he seems like he's embraced the role. And I wanted to mention two other things about Ryan Reeves, if I could. Yeah. Uh, did you see the uh, warm ups that they had against Ottawa where uh, Kirill Kaprizov came out uh with like an elf hat on and Ryan Reeves came out dressed as Santa. I saw him dressed as Santa and it just made me smile. Cause I was like, the guy is, he has fun. He's a fun guy. He's a good locker hockey players guy. with personality. Imagine making the game grow that way. I know. Uh, yeah. It, and it, <laughs> it I, I thought that was so cool of them to do, but at the same time I get to, in the back of my head, I kind of said to myself, oh, thank God this is Minnesota versus Ottawa, because if this was, you know, potential playoff opponent and they're spending warmups doing this instead of being somber and focused on the game, there would have been hell to pay if that was the case. Okay. And you know, the 200 hockey men of the world would have lost their minds. Yeah. Uh, um, the other other thing of note for him, 999 career uh, penalty minutes. And I th- I felt like that is a different type of milestone, but a milestone nonetheless. Uh, I thought it was worth putting it in context a little more. Uh, you and I both know the leader all time for penalty minutes in a career is. Is it Sean Avery? <laughs> it's, 
Come on, man. Tiger Williams playing from 75 to 88, 3,971 penalty minutes. Yeah, um, I'm going to do that one off the top of my head. Okay. A record that will not be broken anytime soon. Uh, but getting into the 1,000 penalty minutes club uh, puts you ahead of Brad Marchand, uh, who has 919. Puts you ahead of Eddie Olchek, who had 874 in his career. Uh, <laughs> Nick... Nick Foligno, 856. Pat Maroon, 829. Uh, he gets in one more fight. He'll be tied with Aaron Asham, which that's pretty much all Aaron uh, Asham did. Islander legend. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, creeping up on uh, Brandon Prust with 1,036 here. Uh, oh, for, so, <laughs> Exactly. So, so I felt like 1,000 uh, penalty minutes is impressive, but maybe needed a little context there. And uh, as I was researching this, I want to ask you, if you had to say who has more penalty minutes off the top of your head, Crosby or Ovechkin, who would you pick? Probably Ovi. Ovechkin has a lot more games played, so that's who I would have said too. But he has 765, whereas Crosby has 747. Ah. So, you know, for his uh, reputation as a flopper and a whiner and everything like that, I felt like that was a comparison worth having. Yeah. Now, imagine if he actually got called for all of his flops. Yeah. Now, now who do you think has more points? Because we know who has more goals. But who has more points? Uh, I believe that one does belong to Crosby because of the assist. Yes, but it's it's a thin margin, 1449 to Ovi's 1446. Uh, but we, if we, t- we talked a lot about Ovechkin having a lot of his career uh you know the opportunity to play taken away from him uh boy if Sidney Crosby was healthy who knows where we'd be with that yeah uh it's it's wild to think that we have you know Ovechkin and Crosby two of the best uh you know you want to say post lockout uh and but now since the post lockout we're starting to talk about all these other kids that are starting to take over the league cuz these guys are getting up in that age where we're like yeah look at these records, these records. Uh, what about the 25-year-olds that are all born in Arizona that are taking over the league, which we'll talk about in a second? The Tage Thompsons uh, of the world? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Austin Matthews giving him a shout-out as well. Um, he did? Yeah, yeah. He, he said he's the most underrated player uh, in the league at the moment. Which is... Um, Tough to do because he's getting a lot of praise. So if he's still underrated, that says a lot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've thought about that with Crosby, but let's quickly uh, hit on it. Ovi's actually sitting at 800 goals. Uh, last time we recorded, we were like, well, he's going to pass. He's, he's going to eventually tie Gordy and pass him, maybe. And then now did the most Alex Ovechkin thing and scored a hat-trick to get to 800 goals. And I saw goals 798 and 799 and had to go to bed before goal 800. I was so see, I, I See, I was convinced that he was going to get two against the Red Wings last night and uh, tie and exceed Gordie Howe's record. But... Uh, uh, I feel like it's almost becoming a motivation thing for teams now. It's like Ovechkin is not going to get the milestone against us tonight. 
Well, that's yeah, and that's a great, that's a good point. Because is it like you know, in any sport, you know, I'm not going to be the pitcher that gives up the home run to Barry Bonds when he breaks, you know, Hank Aaron's record. I'm not yeah. going to be the guy that gives up, you know, this this first down that costs us the game. You know, they're really yeah. It's it's a great that's a great point because I'm sure every team is. They don't want to be the team that does it, but uh, you know somebody's going to be the team that does it. It's just, when's it going to happen now? And I kind of want it to just happen. Cause I'm getting tired of watching capitals games. <laughs> well, yeah, but it has been fun to see so many different people all tuned into it. Like the how family showed up to, to concede the record essentially to yeah. wish him well and everything like that. I, I always think that's a nice touch with it, but the, uh, but the person that maybe is making his own records there that we alluded to a second ago, Tage Thompson. Oh, um, also part part of me doing research today was uh, I wanted to kind of contextualize Tage Thompson a little more and his five goal game. Yeah, he's Mario uh, Lemieux, man. And, well, and and this is this is what I thought was really fun about it was when you go to look at. Uh, the record for most goals of the game, uh, or in a single game, we all know it's Wayne Gretzky, Joe Malone, seven goals, nineteen twenty. Come on, Nick. I uh, thought it was the six <laughs> goals. I thought, I thought we were going with modern NHL. Yeah, no, I totally knew this before looking it up this morning. Uh, absolutely, uh, but yeah, Joe Malone, seven goals, no assists that game. Uh, set the record in 1920, and it's just kind of sat there since then, which I thought Gretzky or Lemieux or somebody would have broken it by now. But it seems like it's a very unique uh, group of people that have done a feat like this. Uh, when it comes to scoring six in a game, uh, there's only seven different players that have done it. Uh, one of them is jo is our buddy Joe Malone. Uh, the rest, I'm fairly confident you've never heard of. Five goals in a game. Different story. There's a lot more players that have done that. Our buddy Joe Malone did it three times. Uh, Gretzky did it four times. Lemieux did it three times. Fedorov did it once. Gabryk did it once. Uh, there is only three other active players that have ever scored five goals in a game. Can you tell me who they are? Uh... Tage Thompson, yep. Connor McDavid. Well, well, three, three in addition to Tage. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. Connor McDavid. Nope. Now, um, no. oh. dogs are excited for that one. Ladies, I'm sorry. No, Connor McDavid was not one of them. I'm sorry you felt the need to protest that. I know, right? They're just so mad that Connor McDavid didn't do that. Um, all right. Well, if it's not McDavid, then I'll I'll say Crosby. No. Ovechkin. No. Uh, um, modern. Jeez, who could it be then? In the modern, uh, pa Patrick Line. Okay. Team. Team oh Meyer. crap! Didn't he do that against the Rangers too? <laughs> well, there there is a connection to the Rangers here because uh Mika Zabinajad did it as well. Oh how did I forget it, that Mika did that against like the yeah. Flyers? 
and he did it, he did it like multiple times like in that season. I think so. Yeah, but like that's yeah, what yeah, like three games of doing that because that was his breakout year. Yeah, and, and that's what stood out to me as I was looking for most goals in a game is you know Gordy Howe's not on this list. Stan Mikita's not on this list. Crosby, Ovechkin, Danny Heatley, Yaramir Yager. Like you want to go through like lists of like really prolific goal scorers, and they don't pull off feats like this. Yeah. So I I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, that is pretty interesting because you because like seriously like when you asked me that's why I went with the most basic the most like basic who like oh our goal scorers are him 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 you know? you yeah. obviously think Ovi you think uh, McDavid you, you think uh, Austin Matthews you, you know those are the guys you think of uh, so yeah that is a little wild um, yeah. but yeah Tage Thompson has been playing uh, just uh, his mind off. Uh, since the last time we talked, uh, he had his homecoming in uh, Arizona when they played the Coyotes, or not Arizona, yeah, Arizona. Yeah. Um, he had his seventh three-point game of the season. Ended up having yeah, the game-winning goal in that one as well, so his homecoming ended up being, you know, another standout performance for him, and I, I don't know, man. He's second in the league in scoring right now as well. Like, this is this a guy that could possibly be the MVP at the end of the year? Twenty six. Do we goals, not give it to 15. him because he's a saber and they're not going to make the playoffs? Uh, yeah, that I love that brilliant logic of no one can do anything for a value of value for a team that doesn't make the playoffs. Yeah, uh, twenty six goals, fifty points in thirty two games. Uh, last year had sixty eight points in seventy eight games played, and that was his. And before that had not had a lot of uh, seasons of consequence or really of note. Uh, I want to say he was part of the Ryan O'Reilly trade, uh, part of yes. what St. Louis sent back to get him, which, you know, they got a cup, so it worked out for them. Uh, the, another thing that I was thinking about for him is where do you see his career playing out? Is this a flash-in-the-pan type season, or is should or? It, or do we kind of expect this from him going forward? I think based off of what we've now seen for a year, like, and like I said, Austin Matthews gave him the shout out and mentioned that he one of the most underrated players in the, in the game currently. And you're right. It is weird to say that because he's been getting a lot of attention since last year and specifically this year. But I think what Austin Matthews was kind of saying is that is kind of based on that is that we're all like, wow, he's playing great. But how long does this last? Is Tage Thompson really this player? And Matthews is kind of, I think, confirming like, yeah, I, I skate with this guy in the offseason at times. I, I, you know, where we do some training together and when we're in Arizona, like, yeah, he's, he's the real deal. Like, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm, be, I'm, I believe in Tage Thompson. I'll say that. I believe in Tage Thompson. I really believe in, believed in him until I started comparing him to someone. Uh, what, him. The, <laughs> the, so, so I started trying to somehow, I don't know how this got into my head, but I started, comparing him to a former Rocket Richard winner. 
Uh, because the big reason that I started doing it is I noticed that Tage Thompson's 25 years old, which I feel like for forwards is kind of a late bloomer type of guy. And then I started to think of other late bloomers. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, Nick, do you remember the name Jonathan Chichu? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. The, he the season that he turned 26, he scored 56 goals. Uh, he was playing on a line with Danny Heatley and Joe Thornton. So I'm sure that, you know, didn't hurt things. Uh, but yeah, with the Sharks, he wins the Rocket Richard. Uh, the next year he win he gives 37 goals. The year after that, he has 23 and he just kind of slowly faded into oblivion after that. So I I don't know that Tage Thompson's going to I going to have a Jonathan Chichu type career. Uh, I think Jonathan Chichu was maybe a little bit more of a I don't want to say an opportunist because that makes it sound like he planned it all out this way. Uh, But that 56 goal season was coming out of the lockout and there was a lot of new rule changes that not everyone had adjusted to. Uh, Yeah, but. But I thought it was interesting that they were the same age. They start uh, around the time they started blowing up here. Uh, yeah, that's uh, my thing. Is that I just feel like you're right. Coming out of the lockout, that was a wild year. There was a lot of the rule changes. Everybody was adjusting. We didn't figure it out. But my thing is, uh, kind of like what we said, like what I threw out there last week. I think Tage Thompson is part of that next generation. This this post lockout youth that played the post lockout version of hockey. So these are guys that think offense, no offense, do offense. Um, I think Chichu really his big breakout year as well. That line helped where in Buffalo kind of really just Tage Thompson. He's got to, you know, yeah, yeah he's got Jeff Skinner, but I feel yeah, like that's he's a... made Jeff Skinner better. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a good point to make too, is that t- uh, Tage Thompson, you know, was working with Skinner and Alexander Tuck. Uh, Tuck is good. So, I like Tuck, but is Tuck really your? Yeah, you know? he, he's good, but it, you know, if given the choice between him and uh, Joe Thornton and Danny Heatley, I know you know the pair that I'm taking to play with me. Exactly. So I, I, so yeah, I think, I think Tage Thompson is 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 you know, there's always that risk for guys like this because we just don't have that big body of work yet. You know, like we know, we know not to worry if Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby and them aren't scoring. We know not to, because yeah. you know the body of work is there. That Austin Matthews, when he wasn't scoring at the beginning of the year, and everybody was like, "Oh, we all come on." Anybody that went, "Oh, really? You really think Austin Matthews isn't going to eventually start scoring goals at will?" And then With what Dave did he do? It's all fresh to us. It's all new. So it's 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 kind of that like. Here's a guy that would like averaged 20 goals through like three seasons and now has surpassed every like sets a career best and is about to surpass his career best by the time we before we even get like 60 games into the season. And it is a little funny that we've spent time this year talking about Jason Robertson. We've spent time this year talking about Tage Thompson. Uh, meanwhile, Connor McDavid has 28 goals. He's still doing, still yeah, leading he, the way, still doing it. It's a little bit like that Simpsons bit with the lambs that step in front of each other. And they're just out of the way, you. Yeah. Ah. 
<laughs> yeah. So, um, I, I don't know. I, it's going to be, it's, you mentioned, and you mentioned Robertson. It's going to be really interesting to have the stretch to see, uh, if Tage Thompson keeps having this year, if Robertson's having this season, uh, McDavid, like, I think McDavid would end up being the MVP, but, you know, does Tage Thompson, if he ends up leading the league in points, does he still get a hit and not get MVP votes because he plays for the Sabres and the Sabres miss the playoffs and it's that typical stupid crap that people, you know, ah, God, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting because I think Tage Thompson is making a case as of right now that he could potentially be the MVP. Yeah, and and I know there's some people that just subscribe to that idea that you can't get the Hart Trophy without making the playoffs. I just don't know if enough people think that way for it to have that much of an impact on the voting. Yeah. Um. All right, something else I want to get into. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher his name. Um, I'll help if I can. Uh, I'm hoping you can. Because you sent it to me, the video, uh, the the NHL glitch, uh, the video game glitch in real life. Ilya Lubishkin. Uh, where did he I got... send you? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you didn't send it to me. Maybe I forgot to send it to you. Um, oh, crap. What was it? The other night, it was, uh, it was the Sabres game. And... Going into the oh, corner against the Golden Knights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the it was the Golden Knight game where going into the corner, he gets hit, but he literally flips like over, like like he's Shawn Michaels selling for the Undertaker in WrestleMania. Yeah, that is like he gets hit up. That that was my that was always my favorite part of watching wrestling was these the the sort of reaction they would have to certain hits is like you didn't get hit there why does why does that hurt i don't understand uh lub louis lubishkin i think is how it's pronounced yeah but this one might be a little beyond me yeah he got hit he, up yeah. high like in the back of his shoulders and he somehow flips 180 degrees and comes close to landing on his head i you would have to hit somebody so hard to pull that off like i don't like you could just watch this on repeat and not I can't figure out how this hit happened or how that was yeah. his reaction to it. Yeah, I I don't know what happened there, but it is so funny. Um I yeah, if you haven't seen the hit and the flip, it really is. It's it's old WWF attitude era like the oversell that you would see in in a match and just you know you're like how the hell what <laughs> it, it's not quite the rock receiving a stunner but it's close yeah exactly exactly um oh you i know you sent me this cal mccarr uh he called off a penalty the other night in the uh avalanche islanders game he the was circling around the net uh i forgot who the islander was but he ended up just putting his stick on his shoulder, just kind of giving him a tap. Car hit the ice. Ref put the hand up, was going to call the tripping penalty, and that's when he skated over to the official and said, no, 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 no. I fell. Nothing happened. And 
they actually didn't call the penalty. Yeah, like I I always wondered about this. And the Avalanche did end up the <laughs> Avalanche did end up winning this game in a shootout, which uh if they didn't, I think the coach might have a word or two for Kale McCarr. Uh but, but it's I always wondered if anyone A ever does that or B if they even ever do that, if the refs ever listen to them. Because like how like because I feel like it becomes a really big production for a referee to be like, actually, never mind. Uh, and you usually want to have some sort of explanation for that. So I don't think I've ever seen a situation like that where it's come up like this. But being the cynical bastard that I am, you know what I thought thought this might be? What? Is a little be a bit of a 4D chess move if they're in a really big game, if they're in the playoffs and Kale goes down, do the refs turn to each other and say, Well, say, well, he he admits when he's you know just fallen over or something, clearly this needs to be a penalty. Oh, that's a is it about building that reputation so you can flop later on? Yeah, yeah, I like it. He's playing the long game. It's 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 yeah. like the guy on Tinder that's just kind of stretching it out and he's waiting for hot girl summer now. Um all right, I like that. I like that idea. Yeah, right, would, I, I I feel like this analogy's gone off the rails. It has. And and we might need to bring it back in for it. Uh but realistically, I don't think that was Kale McCarr's no. ultimate motivation, but man, if he was doing that, that would be a brilliant 4d chess kind of move i was gonna say if he's if he's thinking like that that's diabolical that's that that dude is it you know talk about hockey iq right that dude's off the charts then if he's like i'm gonna play the long game (laughs) make sure i get penalties in the playoffs when i start flopping um (laughs) all right do you want to talk about uh the predators game uh the play behind the net with uh Saros. Yeah, what was like that was like a uh it's another like controller is has come controller unplugged situation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know how to describe it outside of he's behind the net and he's doing the typical just puck handling, puck handling. Uh nobody's forcing him out from behind the net, but he's just standing still and puck handling. Seriously, like when your controller comes undone while playing the video game and you're just standing there, like I, and it happened for a while. Like if I know it was only a, a few seconds, but it felt like forever. And, and what kills me is uh, you see Saros, the goalie here, just having this statuesque uh position like he's ready to make a save if he absolutely has to if this you know pass goes off the rails or something like that but he's just not moving at all and and it it really just looks like he's uh you know like he's in again in a video game and just is stuck in this pose yeah it's it's pretty awesome again another video another moment that if you didn't see it the other day, uh, give it a watch. It's hysterical. All right. Um, I got a couple more things in uh, from around the league. Uh, you want to talk Kevin Hayes being scratched? 
the other night. Yeah, yeah, I almost forgot about this. Thank you. So <laughs> you're so, so 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 let's say you're struggling a bit. That you're you're dragging along a little bit in the standings. You're the coach. You got to do something to shake it up. You're thinking you're going to scratch somebody. Uh, you know, which, you know, happens to the best of players. I, I don't think there's anybody that hasn't been a healthy scratch at some point in their career. Uh, so who do you pick to be the healthy scratch? I wonder. Uh, do you make it your leading scorer? I because, would not. Yeah, I, I feel like most sane people wouldn't. Uh, but the Flyers, who are 3-5-2 and two in their last 10 games... Uh, decided that, yeah, Kevin Hayes needs to sit. Desp- again, despite leading the team in goals. Uh, and I feel like if you didn't know that John Tortorella was the coach, you just heard that situation, you'd say, well, that sounds like something John Tortorella would do. Uh, yeah, because that is a John Tortorella move. And his comment for doing it was pretty John Tortorella-esque as well, with the idea of, like, pretty much just... <laughs> Oh man, I I don't have it right up in front of me. I I'm sure I'll find it in a second, but it was pretty much along the lines of like, doesn't matter uh, if he's the leading goal scorer, like, and like dismiss the idea of scoring goals matters to win games. Where I I don't know how <laughs> the John Tortorella experiment. I said back in our preview episode, I was excited to see where this goes, and it is playing out exactly how I expected it to play out. It's he's he's an interesting coach. I mean, he's a good coach, but he's an interesting coach and but you just I, I don't know. Like I said back in the our preview episode, I I was very excited to see how this experiment played out and it's playing out the way that I expected and it's it's just been bad cuz they're not a good team and he's such a coach that demands so much that you knew it was just going to eventually go off the rails. Yeah, and and, and based on his comments on ESPN, I, it was hard to understand why somebody thought he was worth hiring still. Uh, but, you know, give it, uh, sometimes it just depends on what your other options are, so I can't necessarily hate him for that. But j- just, it's... It, it, you saw it even from training camp, how there was already going to be tension and there was going to be difficulties there uh but the you know the your you have kevin hayes that signed for 7.1 million dollars for the next four five seasons something like that uh if there's already tension in a situation like this uh i i don't have high hopes for the john tortorella era of the flyers no i don't i don't either uh it's the Flyers are a bit of a mess. Uh, I mean, they're they, they say they're committed to Tortorella, but things can change very quickly with uh, the way that situation's playing out. Yeah, so Kevin Hayes is signed for yeah seven point one million for the next four seasons, and John Tortorella uh, currently has a coach has a four year uh, contract. And I'm just really curious which one of them is going to uh, going to be able to stick this out. Because uh, if I had to put some money on it, it's not going to be Tortorella. Yeah, I, I don't think Tortorella sticks it out. 
it's easier to get rid of a coach than it is to move a player with that type of uh, contracting Kevin Hayes. But man, yeah, Flyers it, is just it's it's a fun it's it's. I'm sorry to Flyers fans. I don't mean that in like a. But like it's just entertaining because it's it really is like a Tortorella train wreck right now. All time classic. Yeah. Uh. And the the things that are not go, not going to help the the Flyers right now uh, probably losing Cam Atkinson for a while. Yeah, as it looks like he's out for the season, he's undergoing uh, neck surgery, so not good. He had not played this season because of that upper body injury sustained back. Uh, I think it was preseason on the twenty fifth of September. Uh, he feared he was nearing. His season debut, uh, he indicated back on December 3rd that he was cleared for contact, but he was placed on injured reserve over the weekend. Uh, this comes after the Flyers are also miss, uh, missing uh, Sean Couturier, who's um, expected recovery year. time is at least three to four months for his uh, back surgery. So, yeah, more injuries hurting the Flyers as well. And not just the Flyers. I know the, the Blue Jackets, uh, they sustained a pretty big injury as well with Boone Jenner. He's going to be missing the next four weeks with a fractured thumb. Yeah, the the injury report for the Blue Jackets just continues to be just so impressive. Uh, Jakub Voracek has a concussion. Zach Wierenski's out with a shoulder injury until April. Uh, the Elvis Merzlikens is out. Cole Sillinger's out. You notice both of their starting goalies are out. Like it, it's just it it makes you worry a little bit that some of these teams, both of them actually, the Flyers and the Blue Jackets, will kind of look at their year, going to see it was garbage, and say, "Well, we just had a ton of injuries. This this wasn't because we're built poorly or anything like that. It was the injuries that did us in, and that." Yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens there, but I I really hope that's not the case because both of these teams could use some competitive balance to say the least. Yeah. Uh tough break for them. Uh tough break as well on the injury uh, reports uh for the Winnipeg Jets over the weekend. Found out Blake Wheeler's gonna miss at least four weeks after having surgery for a groin injury. Uh he got injured in uh Thursday's win over the Nashville Predators, he got hit in the groin by a shot from uh, his own teammate, Josh uh, Morrissey. Uh, He exited in the second period. He returned in the third. Um, Yeah, that's who's going to step up now for the for Winnipeg. That's number one. And number two, that's got to suck that you're going to miss time due to a groin injury from taking a shot from your own teammate. Yeah. And. The own teammate part is just the icing on the cake for it. You know, the, you know they have all kinds of protection for every part of their body, really. Uh, so to main, get an injury dis, in that area, despite all of that, is just uh, what a ridiculous amount of bad luck that you would have to sustain to have something like that. Yeah. And hopefully yeah. he's okay, but Winnipeg's pretty high up there in the standings, so if they can float their way in, into January, they'll probably be in good shape. Yeah. Um, not an injury, but uh, a suspension was handed out 
the NHL uh, has suspended San Jose Shark center Thomas Hurdle two games for high-sticking Calgary Flames center Elias Lindholm during Sunday's game. They announced uh, that on Monday he was assessed. Uh, Hurdle was assessed at least a two-minute minor penalty for high-sticking uh, after the opening face-off of the third period. Uh, after Lindholm delivered multiple cross checks to Hurdle's arm, the uh, San Jose center swung his stick, made contact with Lindholm's hen head uh, in a video explanation released by the NHL. The league described the action as not a reckless or careless use of the stick, but a directed retaliatory stick swing that strikes an opponent at a dangerous height. It can Um, be both. (laughs) Yeah. uh, As someone that got hit in the head with a full swing before, yeah, no, that's... That's that's not an accident. Like that's not that is that is reckless. That is careless. That is I'm so fed up that I'm gonna swing at your head and try an injury. And 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 part of me says I get it when you're getting you know cross checked like that. But uh, yeah, two wrongs don't make a right. And frankly, for a purposeful, uh, I don't know if he did like the full tomahawk chop on on front of him like that. Uh, but if, if you can, if you could get off with two games for doing something like that, you are living right. Yeah. Um, other news and notes that I got uh, before we wrap up the episode, uh, the Oilers signed uh, goaltender Stuart Skinner to a three-year contract extension. Uh, the extension carries an average annual value of 2.6 million. Skinner has uh, 283 goals against average and 915 save percentage. Excuse me, through 19 games this season, uh, which 30... is, is which is pretty decent for goalies yeah. most year. Uh, to have a 915 this year is world beating. Yeah, so uh, good on good on him games. for cashing in. Yeah, he's played 33 career games. He's 24. Um, he's he's an Edmonton native as well, so. Oilers are fourth in the Pacific Division right now, so you know we'll 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 see uh, we'll see how that plays out. But uh, yeah, good for him. Good. Uh, and then let's talk about this before we get into the the big retirement. Uh, Alex Petri- Petriangelo, uh, the Golden Knights defenseman, returned to practice uh, over the weekend after a nine-game absence he took. His four-year-old daughter had become seriously ill. So he left the team, missed some time, uh, and everything's a little bit better now. His progressing well, uh, and well enough that he thought it was time that he could return. Uh, he returned for Saturday's game against the Islanders. He probably should have just stayed with his family an extra day. Uh, but yeah, she came down with the flu over Thanksgiving then developed uh, some worse symptoms, which uh, ended up creating uh, lesions on her brain, which caused her to lose motor skills, including not being able to open her eyes for the first five days. So, uh, How terrifying does that have to be? Yeah. I, I'm, you know, thank God everything's okay. Uh, yeah. And that his daughter's doing good and that he's he's back, but, you know, just... Scary situation for for a guy that I, I've always felt like is, you know, kind of an underrated. I know he got paid a lot, 
you know, when he was a free agent, it was a big deal, but kind of an underrated defenseman because we're always talking about like the Cal McCars and the Adam Foxes of the world and stuff like that. And not so much Petriangelo. Yeah, it, 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 he's he's definitely a top tier guy. He may not kind of be up there with Adam Fox and all of them. But uh, yeah, just happy that he is that everything is going OK to the point where he felt like he could rejoin the team there, because that is wild that you would go from having the flu to having, you know, neurological issues that quickly. Yeah, which, you know, just a reminder as well, it's flu season. Um, if you didn't get your flu shot, get your flu shot. Uh, also, when you're feeling sick, go to the doctor. All right. Look how far now that we've lost some listeners, uh, let's go. <laughs> let's go to uh, the last bit of news I got, which is goalie Andrew Hammond announced his retirement after six seasons. Uh, he posted it on Twitter, saying that he wasn't able to make a full recovery due to an ankle injury during time with the Canadians. Uh, prior to the Canadians, though, he was a member of the Senators, playing a total of fifty-five games. He went thirty-one and twenty in his career. Scored a 2.56 goals against average and a 9.16 save percentage. Um, I mean, he was a good goalie for the Senators. Uh, and he forged a pretty good path when he came in. Senators were near the bottom of the standings in the conference. Uh, full 10 points behind the Bruins, who were holding on to the final playoff spot. Anderson and Robin Lehner were sidelined with injuries. And- to Hammond and 27 year old drafted goalie went on to all of a sudden not have AHL success and have NHL success and kind of became one of those cool stories there. Yeah, he uh he played 24 games for the Senators uh that year and he ended up winning 20 of them and had a 941 save percentage to get them into the playoffs, which is just a monster of a year. Uh, do you you remember how they were throwing? Uh, they would throw those McDonald's burgers on the ice for him. Yeah, I do because, because because Hammond is somehow hamburger hamburglar. I wonder if he still gets free burgers in the city of Ottawa. I hope he does. I hope the hamburglar does because he should. Uh, but yeah, that it sucks that he wasn't able to. Uh, you know that the injury ended his career because yeah, again like. That short stint, he was such a he was such a uh, a force. Like, <laughs> yeah, and and similar to what we were speculating about Tage Thompson, a little bit of a flash in the pan season, uh, but it was still a cool story. And now you know he's thirty four and had been playing in the KHL, I think. So he is it, good good on him for a for a heck of a career. That's probably a lot more than uh, a lot of goalies get to experience. Yeah. That's true. All right. Um, that'll do it for this week's episode. Uh, plug. Twitter. At JT Evans right. zero. Unless a, unless a certain poll turns out the way that I don't want it to. But we'll see. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> and I'm on Twitter as well. Wonderful underscore radio. All right. Bye, everybody. Later, guys.
month of May. From me home, I started, left the girls. The tomb was nearly broken. Hunted, saluted, father dear, and kissed me, darling mother. Drink a pint of beer and tears and grief to smother enough to reap the corn. Leave where I was born, cup to stop the thorn. A banished ghosts and goblins, brand new pair of brogues, rattling all the bugs, frightening all the dogs. On the rocky road to Dublin, one, two, three, four, five. Hung the hair, a turner down the rocky road. All the way to Dublin, whack for all the So here he started by daylight this morning Bright and early took the drop of the pure To keep me hard from sinking That's the paddy's girl Whenever he's on for drinking I see the lassie small Laughing all the while The curious star to set your heart A bubble and ask me Was I hired wages I required Till I was sick and tired Of the rocky road To double and one, two, three, four, five Off the hair, a turner down the rocky road All the way to double and whack for all the Had me roared, no room inside, and then I jumped aboard a cabin bound for Paddy down among the pigs. 